0: Hey guys, before we get started today, I wanted to remind you that the Meena show featuring Lenny is fueled by Gatorade, Gatorade's proven formula. Whatever path you take, greatness starts with G. Also check out the SV pod with Scott Van Pelt alongside a sidekick, Stanford Steve, as they bring you high-level sports analysis as well as stories about being dads raising young kids. That's the SV pod. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts eats dinner in a four-point stance. He's actually always in a four-point stance. I don't know I went with eat dinner. He lives in a four-point stance. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. I'm joined by someone who I assumed is, well, he's sitting right now, so you're not really two-point, I guess. Well, anyways. Got- Shiel Kapadia, football writer for The Athletic. You can also hear him on The Athletic Football Show. Um, read him every week. He is essential reading. Shiel, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. I think last time I was on, we were talking about a Bills playoff loss, I believe. And so I'm is sure the Bills so? will come up today. Uh, I think you, you'll explain the concept. Wow. I don't know what it says about my personality that we're going to hate you. You thought Shields on, let's hate on some teams here, but uh, I'm happy to be here.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. It would have been... Well, okay, I'll, Basically, I was looking at the schedule and outside of Patriots-Colts, which is awesome. And I'm extremely excited about, um, I just, I wasn't super enthused by the games. And then we get hit with this wave of news about various teams, various stars who are being put on the COVID-19 list. And as a result, like we don't actually, I I feel like a lot of these games this weekend are kind of hard to talk about because we don't know who's playing in them. Um, and then you've got guys like from, I don't know, like say like the Rams who were on the list for uh, Monday night, but might be off by this weekend. It's all just a big mess. And r- as we discuss this, it's Wednesday at th- 4.30 Eastern. Uh, there's been reports that the league might make some adjustments to the rules. Basically, I have no idea what that looks like, Sheil. I have no idea what the right solution is. I don't pretend to have like th- th- the the nature of what's happening with Omicron. And it's so, and then, you know, most of the players being vaccinated, it's so different from when we would talk about the stuff during the season last year that I, I feel like it's, it's challenging to ma- to look at individual matchups right now.
1: Yeah, there, there's no doubt about. It. I'm I'm writing my uh, my picks column, you know, Ooh. right before this and after this, and I'm you know I'm just refreshing. All right, who's on the uh, COVID list? Who's playing? Who's not? So there's so much uh, up in the air with specific matchups this weekend. Even looking ahead and saying, all right, who's gonna you know which teams are gonna be in the mix? Who's gonna sneak into the playoffs? Who's yeah. gonna make noise in the playoffs? You just don't know who's gonna play, which is like the basic information um, that you want to provide some analysis. But you know we'll we'll do the best we can given. These circumstances, yes.
0: the only analysis that I'll provide is if it, I ran an NFL team, regard I don't know what the rule changes would be, but if I ran an NFL team right now, once I got to like mid January, you're going back to that 2020 life. I, you know, assuming so you get into the right. playoffs, I mean, because I mean, I suspect, well, I don't want to like be conspiracy theory, I mean, uh, I suspect we wouldn't have major stars missing the Super Bowl, but. Yeah, you got to do everything in your power. But um, that it. So that th- that is why I didn't want to talk about individual games. But I do want to talk about uh, a lot of teams. And so the concept I came up with, uh, which you alluded to being negative, is going through all of the teams right now in the playoff, the current playoff picture, and then we're going to quickly t- address some of the teams that are just outside looking in. Right. Um, so the seven teams plus three extra, I would say on both sides, both conferences, and each of us is going to pick their Achilles heel or explain like, what is the thing that could be their undoing? I, I need is there an, a phrase that's Achilles heel feels too fraught for football? Like what's it like a weakness is um, just trying to think of a better description. It's like the anti-X factor.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think Achilles heel w- works. I mean, I, I, yeah, I was thinking weakness. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like, what could doom this team? I mean, I always mm. think like, you know, as a as a fan growing up, my mentality, maybe, maybe it was from growing up in Philadelphia was always like, all right, what's the worst case scenario that's going to doom this yes. season for every, every team I root for? And so that's how I, you know, sort of approached, uh, approached this exercise. I don't know if that's right or not, but that's how I kind of looked at it. Yeah,
0: that. it's like, what keeps you up at night as a fan, yes. as a, good, a good team? of a team that's going to go to the playoffs, a team you believe in, whether they're the one seed or the seven seed you've got excitement about right now, you're in the mix, you're in the hunt. However, you know that your team has a flaw, flaw like a a potentially fatal flaw. So uh, I gave you the AFC. I gave me the NFC, myself. But I figured we'd go back and forth. Um, And I've got the current playoff picture in front of me. Now this is all – very much open to change at the moment so it's why we're going to hit some of the later teams too but i'll go first and i guess we might as well start from the top because i think i i think i got the most difficult team which is the green bay packers would you let's start there before i tell you what i think just we even dive into it do you feel like that's the hardest team to find a weakness right now
1: i thought tampa was actually harder mm-hmm. Than the Packers, so I'm curious to hear what you have for uh, both of those. But I, I, I had, uh, yeah, when I was going through and I, I did the AFC, but then I was like, well, I want to look at the NFC yeah, and see exactly. what uh, Nina says. Uh, I was, with the Bucks. I was kind of just sort of flustered with you know I was unable to almost come up with anything. The Packers, yeah. I, I have something. I wonder if it's the same thing you have.
0: Yeah. So well, the the Bucks, which I'll obviously get to after this. Um, them being they're the two seed right now. I think I don't even think this is. particularly bad thing where the position group is not particularly bad it's just what stands out to me but setting that aside Green Bay had they have a they do have an obvious flaw I guess when I say it it was hard for me to identify it or I guess single it out it's because I don't like it's we call them all three phases but isn't really a, a phase <laughs> on par with the other two, um, and yet, and yet, Packers fans have to be. This is the thing that keeps them up at night. So to go back to like, we we're yes. trying to describe, This is undoubtedly the one issue with an otherwise extraordinarily balanced team that is getting deeper and deeper with, I, I don't know if you saw, there's pictures of David Bakhtiari practicing out today. Um, you got Jerry Alexander, hypothetically coming back. Uh Darius Smith? I'm not sure what his status is, but I've, I've always heard he's coming back. Like this is a very good team that's going to get better. I don't know what changes they might make to their special teams, but uh, it is a unit that ranks 32nd in DVOA. And is bad at everything. Uh, They're bad at... Well, Corey Bohark is the punter, I think, is not that bad because a lot of the punt statistics are skewed by how bad they are um, at tackling. uh, You know, but... um, who, buddy. Uh, Okay, so uh, Mason Crosby has made 67% of his field goals. Not great. Like... Really, really bad. They rank worst in the NFL on both kickoff returns and punt returns. The field goal percentage was uh, 31st. Um, many of these f- f- failed returns have occurred on national television. Uh, with Amari Rodgers, although recently in the latest game, it was Malik Taylor on the kick return right to Chicago. And then the coverage was the issue in the Chicago game. You saw how bad they are in coverage. Shields? Um, I imagine this is the one you had in mind. Do you think it's just like bad luck or do you think it's something that could actually be a problem for them?
1: It, It is the one I had in mind and it's a good, you're right. It's a good place to be. I mean, if special teams is the thing that you're most worried about, uh, that that's probably a good place to be. I really like this Packers team. You know, you mentioned it, like those are legit guys that they could get back. It's not like, you know, Hey, a role player here. Like those are three, of their best, most talented players that you could potentially get back. And I think Aaron Rodgers, the last three weeks, like I, I put that three game stretch up against any stretch a quarterback has had all season. So that's my way of saying that, uh, you know, you have to dig deep with this teams, but man, if you're a Packers fan, aren't you just picturing like it's the NFC championship game, you're going up against Tampa, you know, Aaron Rodgers drives down the field, gets you to like a 41 yard field goal. You're down by two. And Mason Crosby just misses it. And Rodgers, like, stares into space. And is that the last game he's ever played with Green Bay? You can tell I I have experience (laughs) thinking about these worst-case scenarios. But, uh, yeah, that's what it would be to me. I mean, I did the same exercise you did. I'm like, you know, are they really that bad? What are they bad at? Oh, kickoff return, worst in the league. Field goal extra points, worst in the league. Punt return, worst in the league. Is it just long field goals with Mason Crosby? Well, no, he's hit 50% of his tries from 40 to 49 yards. I mean, league average is 75%. So that makes me nervous in these one score games and you're looking for these little edges and it's a, you know, it's, it's a top heavy NFC with it with really strong teams. And so you're right. I don't know that there's anything they can really do about it. Uh, you know, specifically the kicking situation, maybe the return teams uh, you can, but uh, that would make me nervous if I were yeah. a Packers fan going into the playoffs.
0: Crosby's odd because he had that weird stretch a few years ago where he was bad. And then he just came back. Do you remember that? I can't remember. He had like a, a, a stretch of yeah. a, a long stretch where he was like missing weird field goals. And, um, and then he just was good again, but I do worry like he is, you know, getting up in the ears and maybe he's not going to be good again. And then I, I will add, right. um, in terms of reinforcements, um, Randall Cobb would be the return guy. I think if if he was healthy, they probably would have had him in there right now instead of uh, Rogers. And he is going to come back, I believe at some point. Um, I don't know what the timeline is for that, but I got to think they're considering options at least uh, to make some sort of change on that front. Um, The only other thing, by the way, I could come with the Packers just like setting aside special teams was like maybe run defense, um, which they have gotten a lot better at, but they still struggle at times in short yardage despite having Kenny Clark because I would say the other defensive linemen aren't always as viable, in particular, like the edge rushers are super aggressive like Rashawn Gary. So if you can break contain, I think you can uh, run on them. And then, um, you know, also it is that this is a defense that goes super light a lot of the time, a lot of sub packages, or they'll do use the – four linebackers with two down line defensive linemen. And um I think it's, uh, it, it is by choice, you know, like that is how they're built and how they play, but it's one area where like a certain type of team could succeed.
1: Yeah. It's, it's an improved defense. It, it's not like an, an elite defense. I mean, if they go up against some of these great offenses in the NFC, they could have some issues, but I, I think the formula was always going to be, yeah. you know, elite offense, competent defense and that will be enough to get us in the mix for a super bowl. And, you know, I, I think they've at least gotten that far.
0: All right. You've got the AFC. The one seed right now in the AFC is new England. What do you have?
1: Yeah. I, for the Patriots, I've got their, their pass catching group. Is this, is this group good enough? Now we know how they want to play, you know, this might not matter, but we know how they want to play defense run game, Uh, that's what they want to lean on see how the game's going see how much you have to put on Mac Jones's plate but you know when I and we know they're going to scheme things up their screen game's awesome they'll have the the double passes the trick plays they're they're better at that than anybody else but if they if they're in a game where let's say they're trailing a little bit or their defense isn't uh playing as well and and getting as many stops maybe you run into a really good offense and and the opponent just says hey we're going to play cover one it's just going to be man coverage across the board we'll you know We'll have enough guys to uh, play the run can your guys win? Uh, I wonder if they can, you know, Kendrick Bourne has been very good. But after that, like, you know, Jacoby Myers, you know, is a a solid player. I don't know that he's keeping uh, defensive coordinators up at night. Hunter Henry's been okay. Nelson Aguilar has not given them much at all. I mean, Johnu Smith has 271 yards in 12 games. And so uh, we've seen this with the Patriots teams in the past and it hasn't really mattered. (laughs) They figured it out. Uh, They schemed things up and, you know, someone you're not expecting to, have a big game comes in and has a big game. But uh, I do think there are kind of those specific situations where it's a team like the chiefs that's able to maybe uh, put up some points against you. Maybe you get behind by by 10 or 12 in the, in the first half and all of a sudden you have to do more things in the passing game. Uh, Are they going to be able to do that? Maybe they will. Again, it might not matter, but that's what I came up with for them.
0: I think that's fair. There's no like true number one, go get me a bucket receiver uh Kendrick Bourne, right. he, he Kendrick Bourne can kind of do that in the end zone um he's like super physical and will like climb the ladder and go up and, and make pretty impressive comp- contested catches but I don't think like consistently up and down the field if you're facing a team with a shutdown corner I don't think there's anyone on this roster who Mac Jones can say? You know what? I'm just going to throw up a 50 50 ball and see if we win. I, I will say, looking at the rest of the AFC Shield, I don't know if there are any shutdown corners in the conference uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. I'm just looking at it right now with Tradavius Whiteout. out. Um, you got Tennessee, Kansas City. I mean, we're we're talking about these teams, obviously Baltimore, LA, uh, Indy, Buffalo. You know, I I I think. The board really shook out well for New England this year. It's a group of defenses where like you can it like a, a super schemed up offense can really that can run the ball can really cook and I think that what I, I think you're accurate like in diagnosing what could be the problem, but I'm not sure it might be an issue in the playoffs.
1: A hundred percent. You're. I was looking because I was. I was going. All right. Well, we, who are the AFC teams where this scenario yeah. could play out? And it was hard to find one because you would say, All right, the Bills have the best past. De- you know, one of the best past defenses in the NFL. But that was, you know, until Tre'Davious White got injured. Let Let's see what it looks like now going forward. A team like the Ravens. You know, if they were healthy, and you told me Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, and uh, they're the team they expected in Week One, then yeah, that would be the type of team, and, and maybe we'll see this in future years that could give the Patriots trouble. But that. That's not the defense that they have this year. The Colts are are a zone-heavy team. You know, the Titans aren't going to, you know, they played better defensively, but they're not going to scare you. I mean, the Chiefs might be the team, as crazy as it sounds now, uh, you know, or even I was thinking week 18 against Miami. Like, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, Who knows if that game will mean something or not. But I'm going to have, like, my eye on that just to see. all right, how do these guys fare against a man-heavy scheme with really good cornerbacks, maybe that'll tell us a little bit uh, about what the Patriots might look like in the playoffs.
0: That's a great point. I think um, it, we're, it also might end up surfacing if new England ends up playing a team like Kansas city and they fall behind. Like that's to me, right. The nightmare situation for new England is like, okay, we're fine. Mine. So we need our rookie quarterback to throw us out of it. And we're going to need him to take risks do we have pass catchers who can you know be on the receiving end of those risks and turn them into um, successful plays? I'm not sure. and I like this group. I think they're really complementary and like they work well together. I like Jacoby Myers is uh, you know an excellent route runner and is very useful underneath. Uh, I talked about Bourne in the end zone. I, he's got the athleticism. I just there's no one who I think strikes fear in the heart of opposing defenses. So I think, I think that was a good choice by you. Okay. So Tampa's next. Um, you said it was hard. I, I guess I might be sort of taking an easy out here, but the secondary is just, it feels like every week someone is still hurt. Um, yeah. So this week, so you, so you get Carlton Davis back, but, you know, Jamel Dean went out early in the Bills game. I think it was like lingering, I, I, I'm not 100% sure. I think it was lingering effects of the concussion, which is scary, obviously. Um, and and by the way, very underrated part, uh, um, aspect of why the Bucks defense struggled in the second half. I think the main reason that they struggled is that they were really tired and the Bucks offense couldn't stay on the field. But losing Dean hurt. Um, Jordan Whitehead has been out with a calf injury. They've been using Andrew Adams and now Richard Sherman at safety. Mike Edwards will come back from his fake vax card um, suspension. But something that jumped out to me, just kind of watching them in the Bills game and then looking at the numbers, uh, when opposing quarterbacks are not pressured, they rank 26 in QBR in the QBR allowed. They are very mm-hmm. reliant on their pass rush getting home, which, you know, is, makes sense. It's not surprising, but if I'm looking for a flaw and and again, a lot of that reflects guys being in and out of the lineup, but you know, this to me could be a potential weakness versus a team that can beat them to the air.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think their defense, are, you know, is, is not quite as good as it was last year. You just kind of put so much faith in Todd Bowles that if it's a situation where the front four isn't getting pressure, he'll blitz more or he'll uh, scheme it up, and and we'll see how healthy they get down the stretch. They're just set up so nicely. I mean, I think they have the easiest schedule remaining schedule in the NFL the rest of the way in terms of uh, in terms of DVOA. I mean, they've got the Panthers twice the Jets and the Saints. So, you know, not that you're going to intentionally sit guys, but, um, you know, there is at least a little bit of room there to get guys healthy. And and the guys you mentioned, you know, maybe they get healthy before that playoff run, but I I think that's fair. The only other one I mentioned was, uh, you know, is there a little bit with Bruce Arians game management? I mean, I I don't think that's a strength necessarily of his, I would say, you know, I, I was just looking at, um, Ben Baldwin's, uh, the chart he has with the fourth down aggressiveness and and Bruce Arians is the most conservative fourth down coach in the NFL this year behind even, uh, your friend your friend Pete Carroll. Yeah. I mean, he always gets the no Ooh. risk and no biscuit thing. And cause that, cause it always drives me nuts. The announcers will talk about no risk and no biscuit when he goes for a fourth down. And I'm like, well, that is his mentality. Like with, you know, offensive scheme and play calling, but in terms of in-game decision-making, that's not necessarily the case. And so, uh, you know, that's something that could surface. I'm probably, you know, I'm probably like overly obsessed with, with
0: that kind of no, thing I-
1: and, uh, pay to, Close attention to it, but um, that was just one other thing that stood out to me.
0: It's so weird because thinking about Bucks games, I can't like. There's just not memorable moments where I'm like, "Wow, I can't believe they kicked a field goal there," or didn't go. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm, yeah. With some of the other teams, like like New England, actually, there's been points where I've been frustrated at times with the conservatism. But that's really fascinating um, and definitely something I'm going to keep an eye on for going forward with Tampa. All right, you have the very complicated. Can't believe they're the two seed, but they are the two seed, the Tennessee Titans who may or may not be getting Derrick Henry back for the playoffs.
1: Yeah. Th- this one was impossible. It was like, well, you know, w- w- they're not really a very good team right now. So I could pick anything I settled on, uh, you know, I was like, you know, is there something with Derrick Henry's foot and, you know, their mm. biggest Ach- Achilles heel? Is there like a joke to be made there? I didn't settle on it on anything as you can tell. So, I just came up with their inability to produce explosive plays. And, and I yeah, think uh, if you look at what's changed the most or, you know, what this offense has looked like without Derek Henry. So, so since week nine without Henry, they've had seven explosive plays in five games that's tied for last in the NFL with the Houston Texans. And so stuff offensively, is just so hard for them. And, and I know it's not just Henry, you know, AJ Brown's been out, Julio Jones, has been in and out. But even in the first part of the season with Henry, actually, that they weren't producing explosive plays at the same rate they did uh, last year. And so it's probably a little bit of a reach. Uh, I'm actually not, you know, totally counting them out uh, quite yet because I think if they can, uh, you know, win some of these games down the stretch and get healthy for the playoffs, I I do think they're potentially a tough team to face if Derrick Henry's back, if A.J. Brown's back. But we just kind of haven't seen it this year. I mean, my biggest question with them this year aside from the offensive coordinator change was is the defense going to be improved and the defense has been improved and so they've got a lot of guys I think that are tough to play but we just don't know what it's going to look like come playoff time.
0: Do you think that the the defensive improvement is sustainable I guess or I mean I was really buying this the front four you know through the first 6 or 7 weeks of the season. And granted, you know, there's been injuries across the defense, but I guess I'm not sure where they stand right now. Yeah, I,
1: I would say they're like a competent, mediocre. You know how usually it feels like every year there's a team that's like okay in the regular season, yeah. and then they string together a couple really good performances in the playoffs. Like I think they have the talent to do that, you know, where where we're sitting down on wild card weekend and it's like, oh my gosh, I forgot how Jeffrey Simmons could just totally uh take over a game and Danico Autry has uh two sacks and Harold Lynn. they you know, they've got guys who are uh like talented and uh, and can take over sort of an individual game. So, yeah, I buy that they can be uh, solid and, you know, maybe maybe they might be turnover-reliant, I, I would think, uh, a little bit. But um, I kind of buy them as a, a solid group with a high ceiling and kind of a, a one-game playoff, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, I would love to see what you described. Like, I would just love, you know, Derek Henry to come back and A.J. Brown to come back because the offense was so fun to watch when they were cooking. and, But I... I We'll see. I kind of got to see it to believe it. Um, Speaking of star wide receivers being missing for indeterminate amounts of time, uh, we are reporting, we being Adam Schefter, that DeAndre Hopkins might be out for the regular season, possibly back for the playoffs, uh, and Arizona is the next team. I was not going to say wide receiver. I had some other thoughts, but I got to think. I mean – I, I don't know if I would still, I, I still, I'm not sure I would say that's a weakness on the team. AJ Green, Green has been so much better than I thought he would be. I do think Christian Kirk has shown some, Ronda Moore, maybe a little less than I would have hoped. But, you know, losing Hopkins really does change the nature of this offense so fundamentally that I feel like you've got to start there.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, you we were talking about uh the, the go get a bucket, guys. I mean, that that is DeAndre Hopkins. How many times is it red zone? I know he had the drop on yeah. uh Monday night, but red zone or third down or high leverage situation. It's like, okay, this guy is going to make a play. And it's a shame because I really love those other pieces as complementary pieces around DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Connor and Ertz and Kirk and AJ Green and Rondell Moore, like you mentioned. But now if Hopkins is out, uh, I don't know who among, you know, it's going to have to be a little bit from everyone, but there's not yeah. that one guy who you're just like, all right, you know, on a Tuesday night when the opposing defensive coordinator is drawing up the game plan, Hey, what do we have to do about this guy? They don't really have uh, that guy anymore. So it'll be interesting right. to see what they look like in, in the last month here.
0: I think Hopkins just so dramatically affects the way defenses play Arizona as well in coverage. So it just, everyone kind of upshifts and, yeah it's just a totally different offense that what i was going to say and this is maybe you know a little bit coming off of the rams, a lot coming up with of the rams game but the offensive line i think it has been a little bit up and down over the course of the regular season and was definitely down against los angeles now you can attribute some of that to you know aaron donald being aaron donald destroyer of worlds and uh, Justin Pugh being out, uh, and you know them—they they, they were struggling on the interior in particular. But it, we're talking about the NFC in the playoffs. You'd have to face Vita Vea, Kenny Clark. Uh, the Dallas pass rush is looking absolutely terrifying. This, to me, it, it, like outside of the Hopkins thing, if we're thinking like potentially fatal flaws for Arizona. That would be it. I mean, Kyler was getting the ball out really, really quick, but they had basically no run game. They were just getting absolutely blown up at the line of scrimmage.
1: Yeah, it's it's a good point. It's hard to know, like you said, is was that a one game thing or is that going to be a persistent issue? But it, it absolutely was an issue, and it's a good point that they're facing some, you know, outstanding pass rushers potentially in the playoffs so that you know their offense certainly could look a lot different between the offensive line if they continue to have struggles not having hopkins i mean what version of this cardinals team are we going to see down the stretch i think that's fair
0: all right you have the three seed kansas city gary actually very curious to hear what you've got
1: this is like the most you know um non-complex one, the most <laughs> straight <laughs> straightforward one. I just wrote drops and turnovers. It sounds so yeah. stupid. It sounds like Shield didn't prepare for this podcast at all. <laughs> and he's just like coming up with something off the top of his head. But I, I mean, I was just looking at this and we know the discussion that's gone on all season about, hey, play uh, two high safeties mm-hmm. against the Chiefs. Make them move the ball down the field, and so I was looking up Mahomes' numbers this year, uh, just like uh, you know EPA per play against one high and against two high, and his numbers are identical against wow. those two. However. However, the point of playing too high is say, hey, we're not going to give up an explosive play. We're going to make them string together long drives and maybe they'll screw up. And you know what's happened? They've screwed up over and over and over again. I mean, the numbers are crazy. They're turning it over on over 16% of their offensive possessions have resulted in a turnover that's 30th ahead of only the jets and the jaguars and so it's like you keep expecting sort of the uh regression but you know that has still been a persistent issue and then uh the drops i love this uh this chart i saw on twitter i'll let me give credit it was anthony reinhardt put together mm-hmm. this chart of like you know drops And uh, in terms of which teams have been most affected by drops. So it's like, you know, a drop on an eight yard completion is much different than a drop on what could potentially be a 50 yard touchdown. Right. So he takes all that into account. And the Chiefs by far, I mean, they've got 30 drops on the season, but by far have been most impacted uh, by those drops more than any other team and that fits the eye test you know it's like how many they have what five interceptions that have been off of receivers hands that get picked off uh these high leverage situations whether it's red zone or with the defenses having uh big returns and so it's just a matter of like, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, you might feel good about this team, but it's like there could be a playoff game where all of a sudden you're saying, well, we played pretty well except for uh, those three really important plays where someone on our, our offense screwed up. Or it could just be total luck and randomness and not an issue, and they're going to the Super Bowl, <laughs> but but that's, that's kind of what I came with up with.
0: The drops and the turnovers, yeah. right? is like how much do we chart up to – I mean – some of the turnovers, I think, are driven by Mahomes' frustration playing within the constraints of what defenses are giving them, and you feel him pressing at times. Um, which is probably why he does did, didn't have any turnovers against actually he probably should have against Las Vegas. So I was about to say he was probably so relieved to be free of the, you know, the two high shell. But he actually should have been picked, at least in one of those games. So I, I don't know. But Some of it is that some of it is pressing, but like, you've got receivers. It's not like they're the drops and the tip picks are all coming in like the middle of the field or in versus like, you know, man coverage or whatever. Like there's not really like a coherent uh, thing. Um, Right. Explanation for any of it. It's not like you've got like a running back who fumbles a lot. I don't know. It's just like such a rampant disease (laughs) across this offense that um, I think as a Chiefs fan, it would make you optimistic because I think I believe it seems like something that's more likely to just swing at some point, aside from the Mahomes forcing it thing. Um, You know, we still haven't this season seen him play a game from start to finish against one of those defenses, AKA non Raiders defenses where he has looked, I think, in control and they've been able to string together solid drives from the beginning to the end. Like there's been games like, um, gosh, was it the Denver game or the Dallas? It was the Denver game. The defense won. He had like a beautiful opening drive, right? You remember that? And then it was like, eh, eh, and then, you know, some turnovers. There was, and I just think like, for me, that would be, I don't wouldn't call that like the tragic flaw or whatever. I think yours is more accurate, but I I would still as a cheese fan want to see him from start to finish, have a good game, a complete game.
1: Yeah. It, it hasn't looked as crisp and it hasn't been just, you know, two weeks, three weeks. I mean, this is like eight weeks where other than those games against the Raiders, which it's like every time they play the Raiders, oh, you know, Chiefs are back. They got right. And then it's like, wait, that was the uh, Raiders again. Um, But yeah, I would agree with you that it hasn't uh, looked right. It's been a very good offense. It has not been an offense that's looked like the offense we're used to seeing from them. But maybe you're right. You know, if they get some of this stuff out of their system with the drops and the turnovers and they just play cleaner games, then it might not take a drastic overhaul of what they're doing. Offensively, to all of a sudden, uh, you know, look look the way we expect them to look. And they have a greater margin for error with the way that defense is playing. So that's why they absolutely still have that Super Bowl ceiling.
0: Okay. So I've got Dallas. And the biggest problem in recent weeks has been the play of the quarterback. However, I am betting, or I guess what I'm pinpointing as a greater potential issue going forward is the run game. And that's because, well, okay. I don't know why I'm like gearing myself up for this. Dak Prescott's not been good, right? He's been, I mean, we've all seen he has struggled. He's been inconsistent, uh, inaccurate from a clean pocket, hurried. uh, The numbers reflect this when he's not pressured, it's ugly, whatever. I, I think he's still a little bit banged up. I think, but also this run game, which was obviously incredibly dominant, like the Dak Prescott through the first few weeks of the season, since week nine ranks 29th in offensive success, success rate. Um, Pollard had the torn plantar fascia. Fascia, am I saying that right? Anyways, so he's going to come back. Zeke's been playing through an injury, but I'm actually not, I, I, I think it's more likely that Dak Prescott. Reverts to the style the play we've seen for all of his career then this run game returning to form. Um, I think there's been some sneaky issues there. I think losing Blake Jarwin was sneaky, impactful. Um, and I, yeah, I just think they're not gonna like it's not going to be as dominant ever as it was during the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah, it's similar to what we just talked about with the Chiefs. I mean, it, it just looks totally different than it did. Earlier in the season, I th- I would agree with you with with Dak as you know as long as his injuries are okay, you know, if those are things that are going to improve or he's going to get uh, some time to get healthier. Uh, So it does make me a little bit nervous because, you know, I I just do this exercise where I, like, list every game and see how many above-average games every team has had and how many below-average games every team has had. And the the Cowboys' first seven games of the season offensively were all above average, and just two of their six – since Prescott returned from the injury that the Falcons game and the Raiders game have been above average. So it's not like, you know, one or two terrible games totally shifting their overall numbers and it hasn't looked right like you mentioned even last week against Washington they let them get uh, back into it so I think both those points are fair Yeah, I, I don't know what the the run game is going to look like the rest of the way it's certainly fallen back and as long as Prescott's healthy I would be pretty excited if, if I were a Cowboys fan because on the other side of the ball you got healthier and like Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons the rest of the season I mean that's going to be just so much to handle for opposing offenses. So it's like, you don't have to be perfect offensively. Like you said, you don't have to be that team you were in the first seven games, but if they're going to make like a legit run, uh, I do think they've got to be a lot better offensively than they've been the past six weeks since, since he got back.
0: Yeah, I would have done. I I, would have for a while. I felt like we might be overrating the play of the secondary, but I now think that the pass rush is so good. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, could matter, but I, I just think this Dallas pass rush, like where would you rank them right now in the NFL?
1: I mean, I'm I'm trying to think if there's one that I mean, does anybody have a better one two punch? I mean, Cleveland has Miles Garrett, but I don't know. I mean, De- Demarcus Lawrence is, you know, he is like both those guys can threaten for the sack lead, and then they got Neville Gallimore back, like an under, you know, an and uh probably, yeah, Gregory rotates uh, in there. So uh, I don't know. Are they first? I'm tr- I'm having trouble coming up with a better one uh, off the top, especially just like all right, who are we scared to prepare for? Like who is the deep? Who is the offensive coordinator going shoot this is this week? Yeah. It's going to be bad. We have to make specific adjustments this week to account talent for both of these guys like uh, I, I would put them uh, number one in that category
0: even like playing Aaron Donald or Miles Garrett I feel like you can come in with a more coherent protection plan than right the combination of Parson that was really struck me in this last game so anyways yeah I, I, I'm, I'm a little I'm concerned about the run game and I'm concerned about whether it's gonna get better largely because of the injuries And in some um, speaking of injuries you've got Baltimore uh, woof
1: Yeah, (laughs) Wolf is right. Uh, I I wasn't sure if there was a follow up to the book, or if if Wolf was the the setup there. Okay. Um, Well, yeah. For our purposes, I will assume that at least Lamar Jackson is going to be uh, on the field, if if not this week, uh, at some point. And so I looked at it. uh, there, There were two that I was really debating. With this, but I put their Achilles heel as facing blitz heavy defenses uh, because this has been an issue going back to that Thursday night game against the Dolphins. I mean, the numbers bear it out that it was not a one week issue. Lamar Jackson against the Blitz, 29th in EPA per play against four or fewer, fourth. In EPA per play. So there's just this huge disparity in their offensive performance. I'm not saying it's all Lamar Jackson. Their coaches need to do a better job giving him answers. They've had issues uh at offensive tackle, um, certainly, you know, you know, with sort of the, the route distribution, as people have, have pointed out with their wide receivers and tight ends, but it's just been an issue that they have not had an answer for. And so I look at this Ravens team and uh, you know, the, the chips are sort of stacked against them. And if they're going to be a team that makes some noise. In the playoffs, to me, there's one way they do that, and that is Lamar Jackson just, you know, putting the team on his back. Uh, And and for that to happen, I think they need to come up with answers against the Blitz because, I mean, you pretty much know at this point how defenses are going to game plan against you every week until you show you can solve it.
0: It's incredible that the team has a secondary as banged up as it is, and I still think that you picked the right one um, because – the, first, the Baltimore defense, the front seven, has actually been playing really well lately. And I think yeah. there's things they can do to help out their secondary. But offensively, I mean, it is so stark week after week just seeing Lamar Jackson, you know, having gotten – I mean, obviously he was out of most of the last game, but getting the same treatment and that they still don't have a solution for it. So it sounds like he's going to play in the Packers game uh, through the ankle injury and – well, Green Bay, you, you know, you see the same stuff we all see. So um, we'll see if Baltimore has a solution yet. Um, all right. After the break, let's talk about a team that uh, is on the upswing, trying to be positive.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us with A licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash/MinaShow today to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelpHelp.com/slash/MinaShow. M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jet's Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now you can get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code eight save. That's the number eight S A V E go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. So at five in the NFC, we've got the Rams, and it's interesting because I think maybe before this, their incredible Monday night game, Maybe it would have been a different answer, not to be like a prisoner of the moment, but I, I probably, if we had done this podcast like the week before, I probably would have said, I'm worried about Matt Stafford's inconsistency, which by the way, could come back. <laughs> and then I'm worried about yeah. the interior offensive line. I feel like they're getting just um, pummeled there. And I think that there are, there's, McVeigh has made adjustments to, you know, one, make things easy for Stafford, but two, account for some of the protection lapses. So I'm going to go with the other thing, the other concern that I've had about this team, um, and that I think still persists despite their win, which is linebacker. I If I'm an offense playing the Rams, I am just doing everything possible to neutralize that pass rush, ball out quick, short passes, hitting the middle of the field, going after Troy Reader and coverage on every down.
1: Yeah. No, that, that is uh that is a good one that you're right. This was a tough one based on what happened uh, Monday night. I think what you said is absolutely fair. I think the Stafford one would still be fair. Yeah. Like you pointed out, you know, if you kind of look at it, you know, weeks nine, 10 and 12 for Stafford, like those were among the worst games by a Rams quarterback since McVay got there. That includes all of the Jared Goff games. That's just t- statistically, if you look at it and so, you know, which version of Stafford are we gonna get? I mean, Monday night, like you can't play much better than that. The high degree of difficulty throws, like if that guy shows up, they have a great shot to compete for a Super Bowl. But that was one game and the week before was against the Jaguars. So what what's it gonna look like down the stretch? What's it gonna look like uh in the playoffs? Was that scheme? Was it um, you know, did did McVeigh's adjustments as you mentioned? Is that going to fix everything? Are there health issues with Stafford? And so uh there are a couple of different ways you can go with the Rams. I mean, I, I feel like if we zoom out, they, they are a pretty complete team. When you take everything we've seen uh, into account, you know, for, if, if we're talking linebacker play and um, Hey, maybe Stafford will have a bad game. You're probably in pretty good shape, but uh, th- those are still, you know, legit issues that could
0: surface. Yeah. It, I mean, he just looked exactly like he did week one and the offense yes. has changed in some, like literally made the exact same throw to Ben Jefferson. Right. Um the one where he boots left and then resets and throws across the field. But like that there, the, I, I do think that like there's been adjustments that have helped the offensive line. Um, and you saw them, you kind of saw the Jags game McVay going with extra blockers and um, using more, even in this game where they were down to like their practice squad tight ends. He had them both in during the game and a little bit more of the pre Sean or pre Matt Stafford stuff. Um, and, 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 you know, one thing when they weren't empty, they're still, they were still an empty, he was, he gave them shallower depths, uh, shallower targets. Like the OBJ mesh play was out of empty, for example, and it was working really well. So I see all that. And I think, okay, good. Like this is an offense that's kind of evolving and accommodating some of the issues, but during their troubled stretch, I, I really didn't think it was Sean McVay and Matt Stafford was just missing throws. Um, yeah. And he was hurt for some of it, but I just think to your point, like it really is like, okay, are we going to get a Jekyll? Is this like a Jekyll or Hyde thing? Because when he plays like he did Monday, they are an unstoppable machine on offense. So um, staying in LA, you've got the Chargers. They are playing on Thursday night.
1: Yeah, with the Chargers, you could always go special teams. It doesn't matter the year. It doesn't matter when we do this podcast. You could always say special teams uh, is an issue. You could point to their run defense as well, although that that's been better, even though the yeah. overall statistics don't show it. But I just feel like you know this team will go as far as Justin Herbert's uh, superpower allows them to go, and so I put down the right side of the offensive line. Mm. You know, if they get into a game where they can't protect and it's like, all right, we got to go quick game over and over again. And he's not pushing the ball downfield and everyone's frustrated saying, why are you wasting Justin Herbert's uh, superpower? Like I mentioned uh, that is their way to sort of destruction here um, down the stretch. You know, if that is not an issue, if they're able to hold up, then man, I really like this team. Uh, You know, I feel like they could even regardless of what happens in the chiefs game, because we know, you know, they they could be without Rashawn Slater. So maybe they don't win that one but uh the way they kind of close the season here at Houston Denver at the Raiders I mean you could easily close Three and one, be eleven and six with one of the scariest quarterbacks in the NFL going into the playoffs. So uh, I, you know, I've been bullish on them for a long time, going back into the into the preseason. There's sort of been ups and downs, but um, that that right side of the offensive line scares me a little bit. But uh, I still I feel like they're maybe not getting enough like sleeperish buzz uh, mm-hmm. at this point in the season, given how Herbert good Herbert is.
0: The right side is bad. It's just bad. The left side. I mean, the I, this is. I think um, you'd be hard pressed to find an offensive line where the disparity between the two sides is is dark, stark. Pardon me, it is dark if you're a Chargers fan watching the games, though. Whether they're passing or running the ball, Shield, which is going to be a real problem without Slater in this Chiefs game if they want to run it. Um, I agree with you, and I, 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 that like if we're thinking about okay, what could be the downfall of this team? You know, this is a team that went into this season with, like, a very deliberate plan to fix their offensive line. But, you know, plans fall apart quickly. And all of a sudden, you're down – you're starting Storm Norton and Trey Pickens on Thursday night football against – Well, they obviously predict later, But um, it it is an issue, and it has absolutely affected the play calling. I feel like a lot of times when we complain – we, meaning, like, NFL fans and Twitter complain about the Chargers – Some of it is fair, but I do think a lot of it is because of the protection. And when I say complain, I'm talking about the conservatism of the offense. And I do worry about that. Like, okay, I'll be curious, frankly, to see on Thursday, like, you know, you're going into this outmatched, although the Chiefs don't have Chris Jones. Do you just, are you going to go super conservative or are you going to let Justin Herbert kind of, you know, look a little bit like 2020 Justin Herbert, frankly, and just, kind of backyard it and try to figure it out and we'll see. Um but yeah, I think that's a, that's a good one. And and your point by the way about the run defense getting better, I think is important because this was the worst run defense in the NFL, but they've made they've gotten guys have gotten healthy and I think um it's a unit that's just simply played a little bit better in recent weeks, which has to be encouraging for that team. All right. I've got San Francisco at so at 6 in the NFC. So I was tempted to say Jimmy G and I, I think was going to
1: say, are you going to do it? He,
0: well, <laughs> it's really hard to say Jimmy G when the secondary is what it is. And I want it to, yeah. I, it should be Jimmy G because I know like he's going to throw a t- turnover, like an interception over the middle of the field in a playoff game. You just know it. Um, but this is more of like a, which is the bigger issue. And, and to Jimmy Jimmy's credit, you know, he's put together stretches of decent play so the secondary right now, talking about the cornerback specifically. This last game, they were missing Dante Johnson. Emmanuel Sanders has been out for he's, he's he had a high ankle sprain. So he, or Emmanuel Sanders probably Mosley is out for a few weeks. So you're looking at Josh Norman and then a couple rookies, Ambry Thomas, Diamond Lenoir, K1 Williams is in the slot. It is not a good group. Um, I think the one thing working in their favor is the pass rush looks really good now. And that was a big part of the reason why they won against the Bengals. But against a team that can air it out. Also, if you can't air it out, they're going to call DPI on one of these guys. Throw it up. Bengals, but don't get me started. On yeah. Anyways, yeah, I think the secondary is just too bad.
1: Uh, yes. I mean, those were, those were the two I had. I, I literally have written down Jimmy G or pass defense. So it's uh it's such a weird freaking team. I mean, a team of extremes, you know, it's like, yeah. you just have these guys, Kittle, Debo Samuel, Trent yeah, Williams. You're like, so oh good. my God, you know, Fred Warner. Armstead, Bosa, you're like, these are just among the elite of the elite in the NFL. And then I just, oh, who's, you know, who's playing cornerback for them this week? Or, you know, who's on the right side of the offensive line? It's like a totally uh, different story. So um, yeah, you, you, the secondary, I think, is is a great call when you just look at the talent there. It is it is so funny. I always think about how one play can just totally shift the entire narrative. I mean, that Jimmy G pass, like you said, he, he played pretty well and made a lot of plays, but that one pass in overtime, if Jesse Bates yes, picks that off, that, I right, mean, totally, the yes. conversation this week is is it's crazy, DMG you know. Jimmy G, yes, totally different. Yeah, so it's uh, you know, it's always going to be something there in the back of your mind. But that offense, as long as you know, if they have Kittle and Debo and the way you know Ayuk is playing, um, he really is positioned to succeed. And that offense, when they've had all those guys, has been really, really good. If you look at the numbers, I mean, top five, top three offense when all those guys are on uh, the field together.
0: All right. The Indianapolis Colts. I think I know what you're going to say.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say Carson Wentz in the passing game. I mean, to me, they're a pretty, it's it's a, they're kind of a similar team to the Patriots, who obviously they play. Saturday night in that you kind of know what the coaches want to do. They want to run the ball. They don't want to put everything on the quarterback's shoulders. They're they're going to play fundamentally sound defense, even though the Colts defense isn't as good as the Patriots, but uh, they're going to scheme stuff up. You know, they're going to have a good screen game. They're going to have some man beaters in there when they need to, but do they have enough juice in the passing game? I mean, I really, you know, Michael Pittman has had a great year, Other than that, though, I mean, who is stepping up for you if you're the Colts and you're in a game where all of a sudden your defense isn't playing as well and you need to throw the ball a little bit or you get down early? And so uh, that's something I'm really looking forward to Saturday night. You know, what does their passing game look like against that Patriots secondary? Are they going to be able to make um, enough plays? You know, I think Carson Wentz and that offense that I would say like mediocre to, to slightly above average, but you're still worried about, uh, you know, the key fumble or mm. is he going to attempt a, a backhanded pass with his left hand when, you know, he's in the grasp of a defender. Like those things uh, still creep up even if they don't show up a, in the numbers on a weekly basis. So, um, you know, th- that, that was what I put down
0: for Indianapolis. Do you think as a Colts fan, your nerves, obviously like Carson's been playing relatively Clean football, even though, as you said, like you know, a recovered fumble doesn't show up or whatnot. Um, Do you think like you're you feel calmed by the fact that that's probably correlated with the improved play of the offensive line as the season's gone along? Like, because it's going, you know, unless there's an injury, he's going to have the same level of protection moving forward, and it seems like there's a pretty clear correlation. You you watch this guy a lot in Philadelphia between offensive line play and him doing those like him trying to do hero play hero ball right and having those horrible interceptions and fumbles or whatever do you think like the fact that like okay this is this is the situation you would hope for with Carson Wentz where he's playing behind a good line he's got who I think is a very good frank play caller in Frank Reich and, and then of course they've got such a dominant run game to lean on that makes it less likely he's going to do any of those things
1: yeah, he he's positioned to to succeed and yeah. to not make those mistakes. You're you're absolutely right, and I think Reich and that coaching staff has done a great. I mean, I can't believe that this is like what a, a top eight offense. If you just look at it on paper, you're going all right. Are, are they? You know, they're definitely yeah. maximizing the talent that they have at their disposal. So that's right. They're not you know asking him to drop back a bunch of times a game. I think they mix in some good early down passes. I think they run effective screens to slow down the pass rush. I think they move the. Pot it effectively and max protect when they need to when they want to take shots uh downfield and so I think they will continue to do those things and put him in position to succeed. Same thing we said with the Patriots. At some point though is there gonna be like a you know a 28-27 right. game and it's the fourth quarter and there's only so much you can do and all of a sudden it's a matter of is the quarterback going to make a mistake or is the quarterback going to make a play with with the weapons he has. I think if you're a Colts fan that, that's probably what you're wondering.
0: Yeah it's the again to the- go back to the premise it's the fear that's lingering in your mind i don't think like there's anything defensively um you know it's just, i feel like we, you could give the same summary of the Colts that you kind of given them for a couple years now which is like a super solid defense that um is good against the run um they're going to do their thing they're going to play cover 2 they're going to keep things in front of them i will say something I think that makes them threatening is the pass rush has improved as the season has gone along, you know, their rookie quitty pay coming on. Uh, Buckner has been really dominant too. So I, I think that makes them more dangerous, especially in this new England game against a very good offensive line. All right. Seven seed. I've got Washington. It's funny. This is another one where like a few weeks ago, it probably would have been the defense, but defense looks totally fixed. I don't know about totally fixed, but. Certainly, at least above average. Um, Taylor Heineke, not really an explosive passing game. Careless with the football. Another quarterback who the box score does not reflect the number of turnover, turnover worthy plays that I see him making. By the way, neither do does PFF. I looked at their like turnover worthy play numbers for Heineke, and it was like low, and I and I huh. dispute that <laughs> based on. I,
1: yeah, Mine, I, mean, I thought they could have had like no. seven turnovers last week. Yeah. Or mean, maybe, really.
0: maybe it was before I I don't know. Anyways, Mina Jen stats says that Taylor Heineke, <laughs> it, it, he should be picked a lot more than he is. And I think <laughs> it's a problem. I'll, you know, another thing though, is that the the running game has been kind of, I mean, they, they, they run the ball a lot and I think they have to, Um, but I think Antonio Gibson has been a little bit underwhelming to me. Um, this season, just watching him a fair amount, but I'll go with Heineke being careless with the football and then not really having an explosive passing game.
1: Yeah, it's the state of the NFC and I guess getting down to the seventh seed that you could name a, a bunch of things about yeah. it. You know, they're, they're not really that good at anything <laughs> once you get down to uh, the seventh seed. So yes, you could say the the passing game. I mean, the offensive line certainly had issues last week, although I don't think it's been terrible for most of the season. The run game has not been that great. Aside from Terry McLaurin, do they have a lot of uh, great weapons? Although that, that Cam Sims catch Ooh, last week catch. was... Unbelievable. Yeah. One of the catches of the year. That was fantastic. Um, you know, the defense is better than it was early in the season, but do you really trust them against a really good offense? So uh, I think there are a number of things you could probably point to with Washington.
0: All right. The final team right now is the Buffalo Bills with the seven seed. Uh, this I'm very curious to hear what you say, because I feel like you go in, you could go in a few directions.
1: I'm going with their offensive line. I just feel like every time the Bills have lost a game in the last two years part of the conversation afterwards is like, man, their offensive line got pushed around a little bit or Josh Allen was running for his life. And we know there are great plays Josh Allen can make when he's running for his life. And there are, uh, you know, sacks that go for a 27 yard loss when he's running for his life. So, uh, I just look at that even, uh, you know, going back to last week, they're starting the rookie Spencer Brown who had played well for a while. The last two games have not been as good. Darrell Williams who has been a solid player. You know, he did not play well they're kind of figure still figuring out in week 15 like who they're going to play as their starting guards and so I don't think this is something that He's like, every week you're going to look at it and say, man, their offensive line stinks. They can't do anything. But like the bills, the expectations have been raised for this team in a major way. And so if we're talking about making some noise in the playoffs, getting to the AFC championship, getting to the Super Bowl, some of the teams you're going to uh, have to play to do that, even down the stretch, making sure you get in the playoffs. Like that is the thing that kind of scares me because I still think if they're able to protect at a competent level, I still think the offense is going to... To be good enough, um, and then defensively, the other thing obviously is cornerback with Tre'Davious White out. But um, I, I just feel like the offense is going to be ha- have to be the the thing that maybe carries them down the stretch with with that White injury. I mean, there's nothing they can really do ab- about that White injury or improving at cornerback right now.
0: Yeah, the offensive line is a good one. They activated John Feliciano for the Bucks game, but he didn't play. At least I don't think he. But if he played. Right. Did so that I, that was something I was like, oh maybe. I know how important he is to the line. Maybe having him back in will help, but boy, Spencer Brown had a rough one. And you're right. He was a lot better earlier in the season. Um, it's always the thing with Bills, right? Like everyone wants them to run more, but they can't. <laughs> and yeah. then the second half, they did run with some success, but a lot of that was because, um, like I said earlier, the Bucks defense was so tired. Um, yeah, I would throw in another thing that jumps out to me is, The run defense, and not just up front, they do get pushed around a bit up front. Obviously, you saw that like in the the win game, but the tackling in the open field uh, has really been a problem with this team. Um, In fact, in that game, we remember Damian Harris went off, but like watching Leonard Fournette rip off. Explosive runs. They rank 31st in open open field yards, right? Which is the football outsider stat that is the percent of carries that go for 10 or more yards. And it's definitely something I've kind of noticed throughout the course of the season. Um, and this is a problem because they play in a conference with the aforementioned Patriots, with Jonathan Taylor, with potentially Derrick Henry coming back in the playoffs. So that could be an issue for them, uh, which is interesting because I think that the safeties are so good in coverage, but you know, you're seeing um, the likes of Tremaine Edmonds and and some of those in those safeties, Hayden Poyer, occasionally miss tackles, and I think it's um, it's going to be an issue, especially with with the white injury. If they can also be attacked through the air,
1: absolutely, yeah, absolutely, it's shown up time and again, and uh, especially given the teams that they would potentially have to play uh, in the playoffs. I know that that's something that's been an issue for them, uh, even going back to last year.
0: Yeah. All right. So we're each going to do the six win teams. So the teams that are like still technically in the hump, but just kind of a bit more rapid fire on these. So I will go first. Um, I'll go with, I've got the Vikings. Um, And I was tempted to do Kirk cousins, but that, that it's, it's not right, but it is right. You know, Um, but it really isn't right. Their run defense is really, really bad. So I'm going to go run defense for the Vikings.
1: Okay. I am up with the, uh, who I think I have the Browns here, here, uh, Mm -hmm. next I mean, I just put, you know, I mean this weekend, who knows, but I just put Baker Mayfield in the passing game. I mean, I mean, do you trust that? I, I don't trust that whether it's injury related, uh, or not um, if, if they're in a game where he has to make a lot of plays, is he going to be able to get out without making a mistake? I don't think so.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. I would agree with that. I, ha- I, have, let's go back up. I have the Eagles. Um, so I'm going to come- go. So now, now we're basically just in the quarterback division. Um, uh, yeah, just the, the passing attack. Uh, so, you know, obviously haven't seen Hertz in a minute and his last performance was, Super, super, it was his worst of the season, I guess. Right. Probably. Um, yeah. so you, I don't want to be guilty of recency bias, but I think even beyond that accounting for his better performances, um, against a, you know, a, a good run defense. I'm not quite convinced he can, this team can beat other teams through the air.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. A very inconsistent uh, passing game. You could even go with their defense a little bit. I think they're twenty 24, something like that, in defensive DVOA. So it, they're really they're the classic case of a defense that if you're facing a good team, you're not going to look good. If you're facing right. a bad team, you can beat up on them uh, a little bit. So I think that's a good one. Uh, I've got the Cincinnati Bengals. I hate to do it to you, but Zach Taylor, I just yes. want to, wrap, you know, I want to wrap my arms around the Bengals. I want to, I want to grab them by the collar and shake them and tell them, "I want to love you." I want. Why are you doing this to me? I, you play an entertaining brand of football. I love your quarterback. I love your pass catching weapons. Your defense flies around. I mean, their defense is fun to watch, but. Why are you doing what you did to me last week when I'm trying to love you, Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals? I wrote, so, I wrote, uh, oh,
0: I wrote down everything oh you did gosh. that made me mad last week. Um, uh, okay. First of it's all, it's a long list. It's a long list. Uh, I read it on our show yesterday. So at near the end of the second quarter, down 10 3, kicking the field goal on fourth and two, just had me punching a yes. wall. Then you come out, beginning of the second half. You, by the way, just want to. Pinning this, you remember our Niners conversation, the weakness, and they didn't even have Dante Jackson in that game. Okay, so what do you do? Run, run, run. Three and out, coming out. Then you get to overtime, and Joe Burrow is ripping off chunk throws, playing out of his mind because, oh, right, our wide receivers are significantly better than secondary. Then when you get to, I think it was about the 20, what do you do? Run, run again. It was like they were playing for the field goal. And I understand like a, some of this is because throughout the course of the game, bro is definitely under a lot of pressure. The offensive line is getting beat. But dude, you're playing like, you know, you're you're still succeeding. You know, passing downfield. Don't abandon it. Sorry, this is such a Zach Taylor tangent because I was I here, here's how I'll put no, it. It's I good. guarantee you every single person in San Francisco was thrilled with everything. Everything. Yes. That's how you know. right?
1: By the way, there was another uh, fourth and one or two in the red zone where they kicked another field goal. I will add that uh, to the mix. 24 runs on first and second down for 82 yards, 3.4 yards per carry
0: Niners. The Niners. Joe
1: Burrow on early downs, 9.3 yards per attempt. He was sacked once. So I know they have offensive line issues. You know what? He was dealing. He was putting the team on his back. I mean, that overtime thing you just mentioned, he had just completed passes of 23 and 26 yards after leading the drive at the end of regulation. But, you know, Joe Burrow, just next time, disconnect the headset, say, there's something (laughs) going on here. Don't worry. I this call your place. I mean, you're absolutely right. If you're a 49ers fan there, you're going, Oh my gosh, no, no, don't drop back to pass. Yeah. Hand it off twice, third down sack and they give it up. So uh Zach yes. Taylor seems like a nice guy. Like I said, there are a lot of things about that team that I like, but don't do that to me, Zach Taylor. So that's why I wrote down. Sure. We should have led with that. We, we should just have gone up. out, out like of we the most and just passionate. led the show with the Bengals.
0: <laughs> we clearly had a, a shared reaction to that game. Um, I mean, I feel I feel like the last two are just both quarterback again. I got the Saints clearly quarterback, and then you've got the Broncos. I I, yeah, I guess I mean, I, uh,
1: yeah. not, I've i gotten that much. I got Broncos passing game Steelers. I wrote, take your pick Raiders. I wrote offense. Yeah. They've, you know, you could go defense, but they've scored under 20 in five of their last six, the Dolphins, the offensive line. So, I mean, yeah, now, now we're getting to territory where you mm-hmm. could reel off five or six things for every team, probably.
0: All right. Well, this was uplifting and positive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like we snuck in some compliments. I was like, they're, wow, they're really good at this, but I don't know. Maybe I didn't. Um, all right, let's try to end on a positive note with dinks and dunks. Dinks and dunks are a part of ESPN nation brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football's back and so are the fans Return to glory with fansville by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve.
2: And now it's time for dinks and dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right?
0: Okay. I lied. This is actually kind of a negative question, but not really not in the same way. So The Chiefs and the Chargers, you and I discussed, Chris Jones and Rashawn Slater are both out in this game. Here's my question for you. By the way, four questions from me, one from Lenny. You remember the drill. Which of those injuries do you think is more impactful? Or injuries? They're not injuries. Absences because of the COVID.
1: Uh, I would say Rashawn Slater only because it's accumulating. Now we talked about the right side of the chargers offensive line. And now all of a sudden your left tackle is not going to be good. And what that does to the thing that they do the best, which is push the ball downfield. And you're not going to be able to do that. So I I was actually thinking about this uh, earlier today when I was writing my picks and I, and I I would go with Slater.
0: Yeah, I I think, right. I think just because offensive tackles and such a problem for them and boy, would you watch Pipkins, who's I assume getting the start last year? Who, buddy? Right. Um, and Frank Clark's been playing a lot better as of late. And of course, Ingram's been good too. So, suddenly an area of strength for the Chiefs, um, even without Chris Jones. All right. The Sunday night game question two is Saints Bucks. Brady seems to have real problems with this Saints defense. Um, do you think that continues?
1: Uh, I do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been what three, I think they've played about three or four times and the saints yeah. defense is really good. I mean, I, I don't know who, if they're going to be missing anyone here, but they're so versatile in their secondary. They're so physical. Everywhere they have linebackers like Demario Davis, uh, who can cover and so uh they can play uh you know I don't know if they'll play a, a high degree of man cover, but they play so many different coverages. Like they're not vanilla, they can mix things up, they can do stuff before the snap. So I don't know if the Saints offense is gonna be able to hang in there, but yeah, I don't I don't think Brady is going to shred that Saints defense.
0: Question three. So Pat's Colts is truly the game of the weekend on Saturday night. Um I feel like I'm asking you to predict stuff, and I'm sorry, but, but um, I am having a really hard time picking this game. So I'm just going to ask you to pick it for me straight up. I wonder what the line is. I don't even know.
1: It's uh, it's surprising. The Colts are two and a half point favorites. That's in Indy. Uh, in in Indy. In indie. I'm just not, you know, I, I got burdened by the Patriots for a while there. And so now I'm in the stretch mm. of, I'm not, you know, you can't hurt me anymore. I'm going to pick you. Uh, if I get it wrong, that's fine. But I'm not going to be in the situation where I'm getting like the double whammy of picking against them and then having to hear about it. Uh, so I am going to go with the Patriots. I, I am very much looking forward to this game, but I mean, you know, they've won seven in a row. They have a plus plus one fifty point differential. Like if I'm getting two and a half with a team like that, I'm not going to overthink it. And I'm just going to pick new England.
0: The one concern I have about new England, who I'm also leaning towards picking and, you know, I've been super high in the Patriots, uh, is teams have been running on them a little bit. You, the Titans game was a little weird, uh, with the backup running backs kind of going right. off for like 270 yards. And I think, some of that is how they're how they want to play. I think there's a little bit of a, um, I I, I don't think they're going to leave their linebackers on the field and let Carson Wentz beat them over the top. I think they would rather go lighter and use their speed and try to stop explosives and maybe give Jonathan Taylor a little bit room to work underneath and count on their, they do have, you know, pretty big guys up front and they maybe not won't bet on them needing extra help, but could be a little bit challenging from a personnel standpoint, just in the trenches.
1: Yeah, the, the Colts run on everybody. So they right, yeah. yeah, have the best run game in the NFL. Uh, I think they will be able to, I think the Patriots corners matching up against those Colts wide receivers, that's what would scare me about it. Yeah. In, but the Colts absolutely could win this game. I mean, Reich won't coach scared. He'll be aggressive. Um, you know, each, each team has had two weeks to prepare. So uh, hopefully it'll be a good game.
0: Oh, I hope so. Because God, have you looked at these other games? I mean, it's like, yes, not great. (laughs) Um, yeah. And and like, okay, well, you know what? So while we're here, let's just get right into the slop. Texans Jags. Um, (laughs) do you think both of these coaches are coaching their respective teams? next year
1: uh I think I think neither uh will be co- coaching their teams next year I mean D- you know David Cully we all know kind of the weird situation under which sure. uh he was hired so you know not that he's done like an amazing job but I don't know that that one's necessarily performance-based I mean I'm not believing any report that the Jaguars are bringing Urban Meyer back I don't know how you bring him back. He's been a disaster. You have a franchise quarterback like they were in a situation last offseason—the ultimate "don't screw, don't overthink it, don't screw it up" situation. You're getting Trevor Lawrence. You have draft capital. Just go sign a safe veteran head coach. They did not do that. They did, uh, you know, they hired a guy who's being asked questions and doesn't know if the players even were on the field on Sunday. You know, who looks just totally uh, vacated, not there. And so, uh, you know, I'll believe it in week one. If he's on the sideline for the Jaguars, I'll believe that he's back for a second year. Uh, Until then, I don't think that's going to be the case.
0: Jags are favored by three and a half. Oh my gosh. I don't know how to pick this one. I'm. Geez. I mean, Davis Mills has put together like a few weirdly competent drives, but weirdly against the Patriots and then a couple against the Seahawks, which made sense. Um. I guess the Jags defensive front against that offensive line could decide. I don't know, man. I, ooh.
1: I I go by the feeling you want on Sunday when you're watching games. And in my opinion, this year, I have never felt good when I was on the side of that Jaguars team, and so I look at it like, what can I live with Sunday night when I'm looking back in regret at what I said was going to happen today? And if I say, if I take the the points or, or pick the, even pick the Texans to win, and it doesn't happen, I can say, all right, I can live with that. If I take the the Jags and Urban Meyer and I lose, I'm going, you are so you are an idiot. How does anyone even pay you to do this for a living? So that just gets you into my sort of thought process. Uh, I don't know if that helps you or not.
0: Well, speaking of that process, Lenny is an avid reader of your picks column. In fact, he oh, gosh. tends to monetize your advice. And he took two of your picks last week. You had the Giants plus 10 versus the Chargers <laughs> and the Lions plus eight and a half versus Denver. And he wants to know when you're going to Venmo him uh, the money that he lost
1: yeah just send me um s- send me your your venmo and i will uh, i'll have it over to you right after the podcast uh i deserve to ha- have to do that after those picks
0: it's okay i actually picked the giants and <laughs> why well, did pick the lions